wake up with the sun and struggle through the day and every passing moment watch all right what's up guys I'm going to go strong on this one, so I hope you guys brought your seatbelts and uh, packed the lunch, because I'm going to go hard on this. I'm going to see how it goes, but I'm going to try to cram uh, my entire worldview, at least a summarized version of it, uh, into a single podcast, and we're going to see how this is going to go. It's uh, 1140. I've had a couple glasses of wine. should be a lot of fun. So here we go. So the current state of the human condition and of the world is that we are a confused species right now. We're out of touch with nature and with spirit. We spend too much time in cubicles, too much time in cars, sitting behind desks and chairs. We're sitting in a, a poor posture in a way that our body's not meant to be sitting on a 12-hour basis every single day. And by and large, we're not getting enough exercise and we're eating very, very poorly. Now, we're eating poorly, and that makes us make bad decisions, and it puts us into a state of constant emotional stress and anxiety, and it puts us into poor physical health, too. So we have cancer rates going crazy out of control like never before, um, autism like crazy, just stress and anxiety, heart disease, all kinds of things that you, you can think of. Everything is terrible. So out of, out of touch with uh, eating properly. We're dehydrated, which I personally think leads to a lot of cancers by making your body a poor conductor of electricity. Um, we're out of touch with our, our spirit because spirit has sort of been monopolized by religious institutions, which is something I'll get to here shortly. But we've lost touch with the understanding of metaphysical terms and just talking about spirit and talking about... Um, talking about spiritual things in ways that we can all measure and, and quantify and understand and, and put into a frame into a conversation. Now, this is due largely to like an outrageously commercialized culture, right? So we're sitting in these office buildings in square buildings in square offices with square ceiling tiles and square floor tiles with a square desk and a square whiteboard and a square computer screen and all of these straight-line masculine left-brain things. So our brains begin to become more and more left-brained, and the more left-brained we become, the more we design things in these cubic sort of shapes. Uh, and so it's one of these spirals that I'm always talking about, where one problem feeds into a result, which feeds into an exacerbation of the problem. So we live in these really unnatural situations, but it's done because we can make the money that we need to make to fulfill cultural expectations when we do that. So we can drive nicer cars and have a nicer house and all this type of thing. So we have this outrageously commercialized sort of culture where it's last about you and taking care of your people and it's more about having the things that you need to have uh, to fulfill a cultural expectation or to make more money to have that stuff. And in most cases, even as parents and, and spouses, we think that we need to provide those material things for our spouse or for our kids. So we become disconnected from the realization that even though we're being selfless and we ourselves are not necessarily being materialistic, we are feeding a materialistic problem within the culture and we're acting out of accordance with our own nature. So what does all this do? This, this leads to very, not just poor physical health, but poor emotional and psychological and spiritual health too. So we make, again, we make bad decisions. We walk around in a state of anxiety and a state of panic. We're always trying to make deadlines that don't really make sense for us. Um, you know, we're trying to, um, fulfill obligations that are not aligned with our natural system of values, right? So we get stressed, we, uh, we become unmindful, and we're not mindful of our emotions. We're, we're in a place where 
as a society if you talk about meditation. I mean, these days the New Age movement's kind of gaining traction, so it's not so bad. But, you know, being being a hippie or being some spiritual sort of uh, spiritual person has not always been easy. So um, it just puts us in a really imbalanced state of mind. We make bad decisions and we perpetuate uh, these negative cycles in our lives. So we we raise kids who are happy with uh, a job that they're not in love with. As long as they're making the money they, they, they want to make, that they saw their parents make, they follow in their parents' footsteps. So we're perpetuating these negative cycles. And that's, that's maybe on the good end. Um, now this is exacerbated. All the stress and all this stuff affects how we parent our kids and how we interact in our relationships. And this just spirals out to everything else that we do. So first and foremost, we're a very confused species on this planet. Certainly a very confused civilization in America today. Um, really, this is a global problem, but it starts at the individual level. Uh, but I happen to think that if we work together, that an answer can be found. And it all starts by looking within. Now, where does this culture come from? We have two major institutions on Earth. We have the scientific inst institution, which is really just a big conglomerate um, of all the scientific universities around the world that all seem to have sort of similar agendas and similar ideas of how we got here and what we're trying to do. Cutting-edge science is one thing. We all know that there are big innovations in science and technology. That stuff happens. The more material it is, I think the more focused on the material, on matter it is, uh, the physical sciences and stuff like that, the more innovation we tend to have. is It's in the material sciences, but we're not really looking at metaphysics and stuff like that the way that the, the great philosophers of the past were. This is obviously a problem. So we have the religious people that are handling the metaphysical stuff. Anything physical is science. Anything metaphysical is religious. Now you're putting your hands or you're putting your, your spiritual health and your spiritual leadership of the entire planet into the hands of, um, of our religious institutions. And so just to look at, you know, for instance, obviously the Catholic Church is rife with pedophilia um, charges around the world. They spend billions of, of, of dollars a year, um, you know, on, on just uh, fighting pedophilia claims in court or keeping people quiet from talking about this stuff. This is institutionalized evil at the highest level. These guys are running the show, and I won't get into the history of the Catholic Church right now, but this is something I feel very strongly about, and I think that if you have an education on it about any of the monotheist, monotheistic religions, you would understand where I'm coming from. So you basically have the scientific institution on one hand covering all the left-brain people, all the left-brain concepts and ideas, all the left-brain thinking and innovation, and then you have the religious institutions handling all the right-brain concepts and innovation and leadership there. So these are two very broken institutions right religion most certainly uh or most assuredly but but also the scientific institution of throwing the baby out with the bathwater uh and getting rid of some things uh over the course of the last 400 years or so that probably shouldn't have gone away uh which we'll get into as well um but there are irreconcilable differences between these two right science makes certain claims that are fact claims based on a left brain materialist empiricist sort of point of view Religion makes claims that are entirely subjective and spiritual and, in many cases, totally fly in the face of the laws of physics. But we can't reconcile the two because we have no one thinking in a balanced way that's trying to quantify and bridge gaps, build bridges of understanding between the two, between the left-brain establishments and the right-brain right establish, uh, establishments that are leading the, leading the world today. And now this causes a head-to-head -head conflict. This goes back centuries, um, about 400 years ago, back to when Francis Bacon 
formulated the scientific method originally and, and said this is how you do science. Um, this this created a, a, a lot of ripples and stuff we won't get into now, but this changed the way that science was done. And you don't really hear about you know the 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 philosophers like you know Ptolemy and and uh, and Plato and uh, and Aristotle and Socrates and Chrysippus and stuff uh, after this point. I mean at this point the you know Lawrence Krauss the uh, the cosmologist and astrophysicist I think from ASU um, who's a guy that I I used to really like a lot and now I'm not totally in love with but he said it he said basically that philosophy is just out of date like it's 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 obsolete. And that now the physical sciences have taken over. Philosophers just like to sit around and think about how shit works. And the scientists are really doing the good work. I think that's pretty arrogant of him to say that. I would love to hear him talk to Aristotle about that. Because I'm pretty sure he would look like a little child talking to someone with that kind of a brain. But this is where we're at as a, as a, as a global community. We have religion on one hand and science on the other. Uh, forgive me, guys. I'm reading through notes here because it's a lot to cover. Um, so first of all on religions, look, guys. Let me just be clear about this. All religions come from the same root. I'm not just saying that. It's not just BS that I repeated from reading on a website online. I've read the religious texts. I've read the Mahabharata, the Ramayana. I've read the Quran, uh, the Torah, the Hadith, the, the Holy Bible. I've read the, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, the Pyramid text, the Edfu Building text, the Enuma Elish. I've got three or four different books of a compilation of all of the Native American uh, myths in, in America. I know quite a bit about uh or i guess quite a bit about the uh, southeast asian like chinese stuff i know a little bit about that stuff but the point is uh and, and and even some african myths and stuff like that the point is when you go back to all of these different uh mythologies and religions around the world they're all sun worship and star worship religions they just are and i know that that's hard to hear if you're a religious person i grew up religious i get it it's hard to understand that it doesn't diminish what you believe this is the thing you have to understand as a religious person. It, this reality should not diminish what you believe. It should enforce it uh, and empower it. But that's because it, it's much more real and much more amazing and much more sensible and logical than anything you were ever taught. And that's one of the most beautiful things about waking up and, and sort of uh, becoming more conscious of, of how, how truth works is that I have so much more appreciation for all religions than I ever did before. So religions are all founded on the same roots of star worship, sun worship, um, the three kings and, and the star prophecy and Jesus and all this stuff. It's, it's all coming back from Dionysus and all these Egyptian pharaohs and you know Greek philosophers and Greek leaders and stuff and uh, Hercules. All this stuff is all tied together. It sounds crazy and I'm going fast. You'll have to look into it yourself. I just want you to ask the questions. That is the thing about religions. There's truth in them. They're not all true. It doesn't diminish them. It makes them better. The problem with that is we have scientists on the other side of the fence that are saying, this is nonsense. It's all nonsense. Just throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's all pointless. These things just cause hate. They endorse slavery. They endorse beating women and throwing gays off of roofs. There are tribal revisions that have taken place. We have the Book of Saints today with the Catholics. We have uh, the Hadith and the, um, uh, is, it, is it the Kabbalah? I can't remember the Jewish thing. I always forget it. But the point is we know that today we have the primary religious text within each uh, religion. And then we have a, a sort of a side book that goes along with it that, that mullahs and rabbis and, and saints, which are just people, can just add to tribally as they want to, just, just throw stuff in there. This has happened with every religion. So... If the scientific community could get a grip on that and the religious people could get a grip on the fact that a lot of their stuff is just tribal bullshit that was added in by people who wanted to do whatever they wanted to do at some point in time, 
then we could start to build bridges of understanding and figure out what what the correlations really meant in the numerology and the astrology of it and all this kind of stuff. Um, because scientists today just cannot reconcile the thousands of coincidences, unanswered questions, and billions of subjective human experiences with their established views of reality and human consciousness. And this is totally the case. Because the claim made by science is that religious people, like Christian people, are so arrogant because how dare they believe that they have the one right God and the other 3,000 gods are wrong. Well, I mean, scientists have the same problem going on there. No one ever talks about it, but they're saying that in the last 400 years, let's say a billion or two or three billion people have lived that are total atheists, materialist, empiricist people that don't believe anything happens after death or any of that. Let's just say that there were three or four billion people. You're saying that those three or four billion people have an answer that tens of billions of people since the beginning of time didn't have. Like they were all just uneducated people that, that had no ability to look inside um, and, and, and think about the way things worked. And they were all fooled by their superstition and ignorance of science. I, I don't think that makes sense when you look at the cultures that we know existed in, in Egypt and Greece and lots of other places. Um, so, yeah, science has a problem. Religion has a problem. They're not getting over it. And um, let's see. Why does all of this matter? Why does it matter what, what institutions are running things and what they're saying? It matters because we as humans, as a civilization, we live by example. And if we only see what's around us today, we see war and destruction and division and racism and hatred and gang shootings and, and all kinds of violence and terrible crap and corrupt politicians to the point that we don't even care how corrupt the politicians are as long as the one that we vote for is is slightly less corrupt and the other guy has more stuff for us to bitch about. Like that is the the frequency range of vibrate the vibrational frequency range that we're operating within. And, and this is terrible. But growing up, I know that I heard from people in my family that, you know, hey, this is how it's always been. Right? This is just people are crappy, it just happens. But here's the thing. The reality is we have a shitty modern example of how to live as a, as a human as a human race, as a species, as, as people and as individuals, and we can operate within that range. But if we realized a very important truth, that could all change. And the truth is that we have, in past civilizations, we have had very advanced civilizations on this planet who have done some amazing things spiritually, uh, scientifically. And, and if we understood that, then it would totally change the way that we thought we were capable of being. It totally would change who we think we are because we do not realize who we are. And that, that's pretty clear when you look back into our past. So uh, if we knew what we'd done in the past, we'd know what we could be today, and there are control and profit systems in place um, that do all they can to make sure that we don't make this discovery. This is true when you look at certain scientific institutions like the Smithsonian that have just flagrantly, indisputably covered up uh, evidence of our of, of, of different stories of our past um, that that we know uh, that we know happened. We know that they have disposed of remains and and things out of the Grand Canyon um, and uh, and all over the world trying to cover stuff up. So look into that that stuff too. Smithsonian cover up. This is important. Um, and obviously we have. Uh, you know, big oil and gas companies that are trying to cover up lots of remains underground so they can build pipelines on top of things. This happens all the time as well. Um, all right, so in our past are amazing, glorious answers to the problems we face today. 
Uh, oh, yeah, and that's why I've been passionate about studying the human story since I was a little kid uh, is because I've always read stories about these crazy, you know, amazing, beautiful things like Atlantis and, and all the ancient ruins down in South America and Egypt and Asia and all over the place. And I've come to realize over the last 15 years or so of, of really deeply researching this stuff that if we looked into it, we could understand some things like how to create clean energy, how to, how to have uh, structures that were built with a, with a perfect harmonic re resonance to help us heal or to help us stay well and not develop disease. And what is the impact of having architecture like we have today that's made out of drywall and sheetrock and plastics and weird compound metal alloys and all this weird stuff? There's a lot of things in our lives that we could learn by looking at ancient civilizations like Egypt and the, the Toltecs and people in South America um, and a lot of the lost civilizations that we know we have uh, in the Indus Valley. We look at what they did. They built these beautiful structures. They're, they're appealing to the eyes. They're very aesthetically pleasing. And we, we're starting to understand in modern science now that these things have a major impact on how we feel uh, whenever we see them. Uh, let's see. Yeah. All right. So let's go back. Uh, let's go back and kind of look at some of that stuff just a little bit and see if there's anything that we can learn. So with ancient civilizations, first of all, understand that we had ancient civilizations long before the beginning of, of Sumer and Babylon and Ur and Egypt and all that stuff that was like 6,000 years ago, right? Civilizations have, have at least been back, you know, 20 to 30,000 years. Uh, there's a lot of reason to believe they've gone, gone back a lot farther than that. Um, but just even in the last 20 to 30,000 years, we've had technology like uh, probably being, being able to lift stones using uh, harmonic resonance, using acoustic uh, resonance, using sound waves and sound frequencies that we understood. Uh, it's possible that we even had very basic implements, like a, a simple horn made of a certain metal that whenever a, a ring of people would sing into it, they could levitate a stone. Uh, there are a lot of stories of monks even doing this type of stuff today. Uh, there are laser cuts in rock all over the earth at quarries in Russia, Egypt, South America. There are insect corners that are cut, um, like three-dimensional insect corners. Like if you were to cut a cube into a block of stone, that's not something you can do with ancient tools. And yet we find it all over the world. Um, and so we had technology, but not like iPhones, not plastics, not, not fake substances that are artificial and that are, that are toxic to the environment and that require tens of thousands of uh, underage Chinese kids to manufacture in a sweatshop till they jump out of windows. So when we talk about advanced societies in the past that we could learn from, uh, we're not talking about advanced in the same terms we would talk about today, but we're talking about advanced in terms of they didn't probably understand levitation. They probably had flying machines. They probably had nuclear fission, you know, flying machines that had all kinds of crazy shit. I don't know. Uh, but there are some very interesting anomalies that exist when you start looking at ancient civilizations. The, uh, the sculptures and the stories and the mythology, it starts to get a little bit too weird and a little bit too scientifically um, uh, eyebrow-raising for you to just look over. And so tied in with all of these, um, all of these advanced uh, objects and belief systems and mythologies and stuff that we hear about uh, is tied into it the root of all monotheism, which is polytheism or, or paganism. So understand that the, the importance here is that we understand today we have a material culture, a society of, of things and stuff and computers and TVs and cars and planes and all that and buildings. We also have religions and we have a spiritual institution. So the same would have been true throughout history. 
Um, maybe not in the same big monolithic sense, like we had a great big huge Catholic church and a great big huge scientific establishment, but we have to talk about the religious um, uh, or spiritual, not religious, but the, but the sort of spiritual condition that people in these advanced civilizations might have been dealing with, because without understanding the spiritual and the material, uh, the spiritual and the physical, it's, you can't understand the human experience. And again, this is what we've lost contact with today. We're not going out in nature. We don't see how things in nature work. We have, and therefore, we've lost connection with the spiritual realms that we do inhabit, whether we like it or not. Right? Being happy is a spiritual or emotional um, uh, uh, state of being. Being miserable, being terrified, being hopeful, these are all spiritual things. Getting out in nature gives you a sense of awe and wonder for the natural. And even according to Einstein, looking into nature helps you understand everything else better. So in, in these ancient times when there were these advanced societies, they didn't just randomly decide to build green structures that were harmonically resonated to you know, the Earth's natural frequency or whatever, you know. Um, they actually had rituals and, and sort of religious systems around, uh, around their lives that, that helped them to reach higher levels of spiritual awakening and helped them to understand how to live in, in, in harmony better with nature. And it's important to understand that you have to have the religious peace uh, to some extent, not in the form that we have today, but, but you have, or at least have to have a spiritual peace, not a religious peace. But religions for masses of people do make a huge difference. But here's what they did differently. So what we call paganism today, we tend to think of paganism as a sun-worshipping uh, religion, almost something that when you say paganism, you think that you understand what those people might have been like. They were Celtic or they were Native Americans or pagan. But the reality is most people don't realize that, that the word pagan is actually a word that came about about 2,000 years ago to describe the non-urban people out in the country. So in, in the Roman Empire, they were purging all the pagan people while they were absorbing all the pagan tribes and their religions and their holidays and all their sun-worshipping uh, events on the calendar um, and then taking it as their own and, and acting like they, you know, like they were doing it all along, which is what they did. Um, they started calling people pagans, and what that meant was bumpkins or hillbillies. You know, these were that was just a, that wasn't really a descriptor about their their race or their 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 ethnicity or their culture or anything else. It was just they were the bumpkins that were out of town, because in town in these urban centers you had more of the monotheistic religions, um, or at least you had a more formalized religion around the polytheistic religions, and they were all pretty commercialized to some great extent as well. But they called pagan people, or they called the rural people, the pagan people. If you were outside of town, you were just a pagan. So around the Roman Empire, around around uh, 300 AD or so, um, they just started burning, they just started burning pagans and, and torching them, and they destroyed the library at Alexandria. But what they were destroying was people who were connected with nature. I mean, that's the way you have to look at this. The, the Roman Empire merged with the Catholic Church in 330 or whatever AD, with Constantine and, and the Pope at the time, and 300 years after Christ, the Catholic Church hijacked uh, hijacked uh, a particular sect of, of of the teachings of some man named Jesus of Nazareth, or some group of people at that time in that part of the world, of which I, I happen to think that Jesus was probably one, uh, and Apollonius of Tyana was another. Uh, but there were lots of these guys. But but they 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 brought so much truth at the time of Christ that 300 years later. Uh, Constantine and the the Pope of a uh, uh, of the, the Catholic Pope 
decided to hijack the, the sect of Christianity that made the most sense to them, that allowed for the greatest amount of control. And uh, Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, that's where the Roman comes from, became the religion of the day. But what they had to do was make it their goal to go wipe out all of the, all of the people who understood truth, all of the philosophers all out in, the, out in nature, all the guys that understood that, that all life comes from the sun, that there's a circle of life, that what you put out is what you get back, to be one with nature. Uh, and there were powers that came with this. There were, I really do think that there were um, a lot of sort of psychic powers and stuff that came along with this. But the Catholic Church wanted to wipe these guys out, and so they did. And so you'll see over the last 1,700 years, the Catholic Church has done a pretty remarkable job. Uh, they become experts at wiping out tribal people all over the world. And one of the amazing things, as a side note, that I, I think is awesome, is that even when they got to the Americas, they found the same stories being told, the same myth mythology being being taught that was taught in the old world, the same sort of uh, mystical powers being described. And we'll get into that on, on, on some other shows, I'm sure. But, uh, but ancient civilizations all had this sort of pagan, uh, what we would call a pagan lifestyle. But they understood that the sun, the, the, the moon, the stars, the heavenly bodies, it wasn't so much that they had power over us, which is what the scientific people of today um, really laugh about and ridicule when it comes to, to paganism and to astrology and stuff. They're just misunderstanding. These ancient people didn't believe that the stars controlled our lives. They believed that as above, so below. They believed that... There were cycles in the heavens and there were cycles below, like the seasons and the equinoxes and the, and the, the procession and all this stuff. This is the thing. It all ties together. They didn't believe that the stars changed anything. I, I saw Michael Shermer, the famous skeptic, made some comment one day about astrology. And he said, you know, it's the spring equinox or something. You know what that means? It means that just like every other day, the heavens are going to have no impact on your life whatsoever. You know, it's awfully smug and arrogant of him you know, to make these comments, but, uh, you know, no one's really saying that the stars are doing this to us. It's more that we are microcosms of the macrocosm. And when you look back into ancient theology, you see that left and right in every, in every culture. And everywhere that knowledge goes, there's a renaissance, there's an awakening, awakening there's an advancement in civilization, a great leap in the spiritual um, and material advancement of, of a civilization from the renaissance back to the Greeks, back to the Egyptians. And every time that knowledge is suppressed, it's usually the, the church or a monotheistic religion, um, like the guys in Egypt. I can't remember if it was the Atonists or the Amunists, or I think it was the Atonists. But anyway, it's always the monotheistic religions that come in and fuck everything up and, and kill everybody and take their culture and their history. Um, so that leads me sort of into that. So monotheism, uh, that brings us almost full circle. Monotheism is the only religion or the, or the, the only philosophical belief that can, um, in a higher power, religious belief, uh, that can that can enable you to control an entire population of people. Or at least it's the most effective method of control for an entire population of people. Because once you're dictating the afterlife to a person, if you can get them to diminish what they do in this life, you can get them to do just about anything to get into the best situation they can for eternity. And this is only logical. Scientifically minded people have a hard time with this, but you have to understand that, A, there is a spiritual component to life, and there are spiritual realms that we inhabit, spiritual forces that are taking place around it. This is very hard for an empirical person to understand or a scientist. But once you, as a spiritual person, realize that and awaken to that, you know, if you can convince that person that their glory is going to be in heaven for billions and trillions of years, if they'll just do something really shitty for the 20 or 30 or 60 years they're here, 
it's a logical thing to do. So what we need to do is bridge that gap and build a bridge of understanding to help religious people understand that these religions were all founded out of, uh, out of a template, right? And I won't get into where that template came from, but that's something I'm very interested in and that we will talk about later. But that template was, was sort of passed down. Um, I think you could, for you guys who know what this is, sort of the Akashic Library, you know, we can get information, downloads, and that, that information keeps coming out. We're always going to get truth in, in the numerological and astrological and uh, sort of psychological way if you look inside. Uh, you know, you'll find truth, but the religions always stack stuff on top of it. So bringing that all full circle to today, we have this big monotheistic religion um, or the, the big monotheistic religions that, uh, that have done what they've done. And we've got this big materialist, empiricist, left brain scientific movement that has done what it has done. And now we have an ever-growing community of truth seekers, uh, this shamanic philosophy community being one of the fastest growing, I think, in the country, if you were to look at what we're doing or in the world, it's, it's crazy how many more people are, are getting on board all the time. Um, but Joe Rogan's podcast and guys like Graham Hancock doing amazing work and it, everyone out there is looking for a bigger answer. We're looking for more. Even, even Sam Harris, one of my heroes, who's a very, very left brain dude, is doing some phenomenal work with his Waking Up podcast. And the name of that podcast says it all right there. But we have this world where there's an irreconcilable conflict between the two major institutions that are running everything. And then we have this sort of third-party existential group of New Age Gnostics that are coming to the front that are realizing that these cycles exist. And that in the past, we've done all these amazing things before, and we're due for another amazing thing now. But it takes an awakening at the individual level. And so the media and the education today are both run by the same powers that are in control, right? By your scientific establishment, by your monotheistic religions, uh, and and by the big corporate institutions that exist uh, that sort of filter money through and get money back from and uh, f from those different institutions. So what we need to do as a, as a, as a third-party community of Gnostics is to continue to awaken people, to get together into communities, and to form platforms together and to say that we we understand what's going on here. We're going to educate everyone else, and we're going to stop attacking scientific people for being closed-minded. We're going to stop attacking religious people for being closed-minded. And as Gnostics, we're going to start bridging the gap between the left-brain scientific closed-minded people and the right-brain closed-minded people and start learning. Uh, and part of what I'm trying to do here is, is to create sort of a curriculum for, uh, I think in church, what do we call it? The Roman's Road to Salvation? The Roman, yeah, the Romans Road, I think, but but start to help people from both far right and far left side to to come to the middle and understand that the religions have a lot to offer. There's a lot to, to be said about practicing thankfulness every single day, even though, even the way you hold your hands scientifically has been proven to balance out uh, you know your bodies and stuff. There's a thing to the chakras. There's a thing to yoga. There's a thing to psychedelics. There's a thing to meditation, and there's definitely a thing about a massive monolithic tax-free entity corporation with billions of people that has been running around for 1,700 years destroying all knowledge of the past and of esotericism and of the teachings of love and light and truth, the truth being in the spiral. You know, we got to wake up to all this stuff. And that's what we're doing here. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Um, I'm not sure how I'm doing on time, but thanks for listening. This is kind of an experiment. I wanted to see if I could pull it off. 
and uh, let me know what you think. Like, subscribe, share, do all that stuff. If you're not on Instagram, check us out on Instagram, shamanic.philosophy. Probably the best program right now to check us out on or the best platform. Uh, and uh, make sure that you share the YouTube videos and stuff. And that's about it, man. I love you guys so, 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 so much. And um, hey, may the light be with you. May life be within you. And may you be a son on the paths of all men. God bless you guys. Go have an awesome week and love on somebody. And I'll see you soon. We're so distracted now we can't prepare.